For 25 years, Christ Faith Tabernacle has spread across the globe, empowering the saints for the season of the Lord's return. This season has arrived. Join Apostle Alfred and Reverend Pierre Williams in this year of God's glory as we celebrate the Christ Faith Tabernacle 25th year jubilee from the 23rd of February to the 1st of March. Our name shall be great. Nation will come out of us. The Lord has blessed us and nobody can revoke it. Be empowered alongside ministers from across the globe to walk in the miraculous, see healings, miracles, signs and wonders in your ministry. Come and celebrate 25 incredible years that have seen Christ Faith Tabernacle spread across the globe, meeting dignitaries and changing nations. You are healed right now in the name of Jesus by the blood of the risen Lord. Let them see Jesus shine through your life like never before. And you are bulletproof as long as you are walking under the covering of the Almighty. You got to know that God has set you apart special. God is very, very smart in every little thing. The Christ Faith Tabernacle Silver Jubilee. Leadership training daily. Power Miracle Nights every evening from 7 p.m. And the official dedication of the incredible CFT Cathedral Woolwich on Sunday, March the 1st at 4 p.m. The venue, CFT Cathedral, 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London, SE 18, 6NL. Visit cftchurches.org or call 020-8316-2332. But we can hear their voices, one voice in each one of them. And the way God has dealt with all is that each one will speak about what others have spoken and then he will dive into some deeper dimension. And so in this conference, I want, I want to say that I can say now with confirmation what I have affirmed before we started. It is our year of new beginning. Amen. This is a glorious year for us, for what God is about to do on the face of the earth. Now, we thank God for this session um, which will be taken by Prophet Ancox. Every one of you are used to Prophet Ancox now. Those of you who are not used to him, you are used to him a little bit yesterday. And if you are not used to him at all, you will be used to him in a minute. <laughs> this is a man that we have been together for 24 years. And uh, together with Apostle Tov, and of course, Doc that God had brought into the loin. I always say that, you know, when I was in Doc's pulpit, I said that, I feel like this man we have known from childhood. Because that is the man I step on his pulpit. And God took me years to when he was growing. And God told me several things about him when he was growing. And I haven't met him, really, at the time. And when he came into the congregation, the minister's meeting, he was wearing jeans. And I couldn't recognize him. And it was in that meeting I began to speak more about him as God was speaking to me about him. God don't do things like that if there is no divine connection. So he's, he's been the third party now to join our company. Oh, prophet Hancox, we receive this man as the prophet of God. He speaks the counsel of heaven. He told me, I didn't give him a topic. I just gave him leadership. And when he told me what God put in his heart to discourse, it's just in line with the things I love to share with you. For this end time, that area of ministry had been perverted. There is a need for a person who sits in the office to help us know from the scriptures the potency of that ministry. Uh, we received the ministry of, uh, of um, Prophet Dan Cox with gratitude from God. He is the founder of IGO, Smana, in Atlanta, Georgia. Prophet Dan Cox. Thank you. 
Thank you. Just before we're seated, can we submit uh, what we're about to read and what we're about to think and say and experience in the name of the Lord, yeah? Father, in the name of your son Jesus, we're grateful for your presence here this morning. Wherever two or more of your people are gathered together for the purpose of worshipping you and understanding you as the living word, Father, you promise that you'll be there by the presence of your Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us into the truth of your word. So, Father, I submit myself to you now. I ask, Father, that you cause my tongue to be as the pen of a ready writer. And that, Lord God, the hearts of your people in this house, those that you are raising up to represent you and represent your kingdom, should be quick to hear and quick to receive and quick to obey and to follow the footsteps of our Lord and Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray and all the saints of God said. Please be seated. Amen. Please be seated in the presence of the Lord, with the exception of this young man right here. I want you to stand up. (coughs) Hallelujah. I know that you're new, and the Lord just put you on my heart when I walked in, so I'm just going to ask you to stand there and, uh, and uh, have a listen to what the Spirit of God would say. For behold, you have questions, saith the Lord, and in your prayer times, that there's a trembling and an anticipation within your spirit, whether or not I've actually called you into the place in which you stand now, because you're overawed with all of those that surround you. But I have called thee indeed, for you are indeed one of the last days men of my choosing. But I would yoke you together with another, saith the Lord, for your spirit is yet tender. I would not have you trampled under the feet of those who have abused those who have gone before you. Even those that I put you together with earlier, I put you together with these men not to learn from them, but to learn about them. And to learn how to avoid the trappings and alert the pitfalls as the enemy in your country is rising up all around you. With false signs, false lunders and false prophets surrounding every area of the camp, I'm raising up a new generation of innocence. So in your innocence, saith the Lord, enjoy this time of learning. For I'll wash the wounds from your feet and I'll erase the wounds from your heart. And I will cause those around you to love you. And indeed for you to in turn enjoy that loving care and the tender nourishment of those who I'm raising up in a tender-hearted manner to suit me and to serve me in these last days. But enjoy it while it is. For within the next 12 months, saith the Lord, I will separate you again unto myself. And I have placed you under this house that you may learn how things are to be done decently and in order in the times in which are to come. For turmoil and disruption and confusion shall mount garrison in your land. But I have raised up men of my own calling such as yourself who will bring stability and peace and others will find their way to your door for they know when they find you they will find a door into my heart and when they find the door into my heart they will find that for which my word promises them and in these last days men such as yourself will be the pillars in my house amen Amen. so you may be seated my brother glory to God what I want to talk a bit about today there's a lot of things I want to talk about but I I feel in my heart that a lot of people are very confused about the difference between prophecy and the office of prophet. And I I want to share this with you. I I don't label myself. The only reason that uh, I have uh, allowed the people who work with me in the ministry uh, to present uh, an offering of the prophet's office is because it's been encouraged by men that I value, such as uh, Apostle Williams. And uh, because he said to me a long time ago, unless you allow the label that the Lord has placed on you to be presented to people, uh, other people will label you. And when the label they put on you, maybe not the label that the Lord has for you. So that's what I do that. I don't, I don't elevate myself in any way. I'm very fortunate to be used of God in any direction. But I do find that in these last days, and listening to the word of the Lord, that many ministers get confused with simple, the simple gift of prophecy, what I call the simple gift of prophecy, 
which is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Now, every person in the body of Christ who has the gift of the Holy Spirit within them ought to flow in the gift of simple prophecy. Because we are to be edifies, exhortation, and comforting the men and women of God as he puts them across our path. But at the same time, there is one uh, aspect uh, of insight uh, that is lacking in simple prophecy, and that, for the most part, is discernment. I want to give you some examples of it, but because I know most of you are being trained for the work of the ministry or you're already in the ministry and being continued in your training because the training never stops. I think the onward process of discovering more about the Lord that we serve and learning to let go of our opinions and take on his purposes never stops. Uh, if you read in the, in the book of Philippians, you'll discover that uh, the Apostle Paul said that my main hope and desire is that I may apprehend that for which I've been apprehended of God. And that apprehension of God is no more, no less than God's end purpose for your life. And Paul said, if I hope above all things that I might even obtain under the resurrection of the dead. And that's a very humbling statement when you consider that this man that was uh, so vehement in his persecution of the church and knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus and having written two-thirds of the New Testament is even questioning his ability uh, to be found worthy at, at the resurrection, at the final resurrection. So it, it keeps your mind in a right perspective. One of the biggest things we're having to deal with in these last days is the wrong perception about the way we are headed. If we don't get instruction and, and, and correction in the way we are headed uh, from a source other than a man's mentality, then we're in trouble. Are, are you following me? We are supposed to be led of the Spirit. And that depends on the person who is speaking to you as to how led you are. If he's led halfway of the Holy Spirit, then you're only going to get half the instruction. The gift of prophet is supposed to primarily, and we'll give you all the scriptures and you can write them down. And I can't necessarily go through them all because we'll be here for six hours. As much as I'd like that, uh, you probably wouldn't. However, if we study the scriptures and the ones that I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some examples of how Jesus himself used his office of prophet uh, pretty much more than any of the other uh, uh, nine office gifts or five office gifts of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And the reason that we're going to study these scriptures a little bit and look at them is that for a person to hear, not just as uh, simple prophecy does, which displays the hidden intents of a man's heart, which will cause him, apparently, as Paul says, uh, to, to reach out and say that truly there must be a God because this man or this woman spoke a prophetic word over me which exposed my heart. When Jesus spoke to people, he went more than just exposing their heart. He went into the deep root of their, of their, of their spirit and their soul. He exposed things in them that shook them. And I think sometimes people need to be shaken. I think sometimes people like to be able to hear what I call, I use the word popcorn prophecies. I uh, see so people come into my church and I get them quite a lot. They'll come from Australia and from other places. I very rarely have people come into my house because... One wrong guest can do more damage in one hour uh, than you men of God know that, than you can do in six months. They can unravel it. So unless I know the person, I mean really know them, I don't give them access to my platform anymore. And that's sad, but that's just the way it is because I love my people enough to make sure that I don't let people who have a nice sheep's coat on the outside and a big woolly tail in the, in the back uh, uh, come in. Popcorn prophecies is when people are called to stand up and they're always sort of nice. They're nice. They say, oh, yes, and the Lord's pleased with you, and such and such is going to happen, and everything's lovely. And uh, people get encouraged by that, and, and yet the difference is 
if the Lord highlights someone to me, in this case, this young man of God who's being trained up to take on responsibilities in native India, uh, there's often times at the beginning of a ministry where the Lord will not uh, root deeply into his heart or into his soul, uh, but he needs to know that he's in the right place. He needs to know that he's called. He needs to know that his direction is correct. Uh, but you'll find that Jesus and some of the other examples I'm going to use will expose some depths in people. And the, the spirit of discernment, being able to touch a man's inner heart, uh, can be enlightening or devastating depending on how you want to receive it. I just had a, a young lady walk over there because she reminded me of Toya. Do you remember Toya? Yeah. Just gone. She's not here at the moment. I don't know. I don't know if she's still here. And she reminded me of her face and I, and I, I walked over and I sort of reached over to give her a hug and she was something strange or something. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. You reminded me of somebody. And on the way back, she said, excuse me, uh, can, you, can you explain to me how it is that God speaks to you? And I said, I'm going to talk a little bit about it today. And she said, my, my friend was worried that when you came over, you were going to say something to her that was going to upset her. And I said, you don't understand. My job is not to upset people. But my wife and I discovered when this started to really stir up in me about a year ago, uh, I didn't enjoy going to the mall. If I went to the mall, even today, if, if I allow it to happen, there's a connection, there's an antenna that goes off inside of me where I just start getting information on people. And I don't really want it. I mean, you understand because you flow in it too. I don't really want it, uh, and, and it's, it's wearying and it's tiring. So I have to learn, as the Scripture said, the spirit of the prophet, subject of the prophet, so I can turn it off and I can turn it on. And sometimes I'm not the one that turns the switch on. God is. But because the gift is subject to me, I can turn the switch on. But I'd rather not because if I do, then I don't want to know people's uh, what's going on in their head. I can't even go shopping and stand there and watch my, watch my wife try on six pairs of shoes without zooming in on some woman next door and, and knowing that she's, you know, running around on her husband. Or, I mean, who needs to know that? I don't need to know that. But in the house of God, sometimes I do. So uh, the practical application of it came this morning with a... a can I sit down? Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I, yeah, it's much better tell you this place heats up or maybe it's just me i got an email this morning from a young russian lad for some reason i'm getting a lot of russians you getting russians up with you get a lot of russians and this young boy when he first walked in i looked at him and he said what do you think pastor and i said i think you're a tank and he said a tank and i said yeah because he's a stocky little fella and i said when I looked at you, I saw a mechanized tank, somebody who's built walls and, and strategic plates uh, of defense around their life. But there's a, there's a boldness to you and there's a, a resilience to you and an endurance to you that I think God wants to use. And so over the period of the next couple of three months, I continue to encourage him that I saw God on him and it was up to him whether or not he allowed that to happen. There was hurt in him. There was pain inside of his heart, just as there is of most of us, I think, when we start to discover that there are things that have been planted in us that have not borne good fruit. And uh, Max, uh, I begin to speak to him about what God had for him. And this morning I got an email from him and I wanted to share it with you. Is that okay? Well, I'm going to do it anyway. So, <laughs> And, of course, they refer to me as their pastor, which I am. 
He says, Dear Pastor, this is from uh, Max Chetnovichki. He said, I would like to thank you for your earnest desire to share what God puts on your heart and to be encouraged that your message uh, has produced fruit in the lives of those that, uh, that apply with faith what the Spirit shares with you. I'm not reading this because I need anybody to pat me on the back, uh, but only to show you how the practical application of the office of prophet works versus simple prophecy. All right? Uh, he goes on, he says, This past year, my wife and I have gone from strategizing, and by the way, I prophesied over him that he was going to meet his wife at IGO. And uh, he did. And uh, this young lady is very sweet. She already had uh, uh, one marriage that went clockwise before she got saved, had a little boy. And they, they met each other and fell in love and uh, finished up getting married. So he said, my wife and I have gone from strategizing and putting forth all of our strength into creating supply and provision for our family to truly believing that no matter what the circumstances may appear, uh, the Lord will never forsake us and will always create supply for our life. Now, in America, you know, the whole idea of having enough is a major concern for them. Um, the love of money is huge in the United States. And greed is probably following hard on its heels. And I think that's probably the same in any first world country i don't know how it is here but i guess it's the same i don't know anyway it says um this uh this last year i was going to put it it says we started this year with my wife and i both working and making our own plans underlined to increase our finances pay off our debt and making deals with those who didn't have our best interests at heart vis-a-vis my family her family was trying to bribe them into you know doing what they wanted them to do by giving them money that all changed when my wife, Jessie, broke her leg. She lost her job, and the same family members withdrew financial support. So with our income cut in half, we were forced into a position where we had to believe that God would provide for us. Now, this probably won't sound too unfamiliar to you, except that I told him all these things would happen months in advance. And that prepared him. You would think that would prepare him to be obedient, wouldn't you? But it didn't. Uh, all it did was, when it happened, uh, it brought to his remembrance that it didn't have to have gone that way. But I think, like so many people, we have to learn it the hard way. Yeah? You all out there? Yeah. Okay, just grunt now and again so I know you're there. It goes on further and he says, um, I took on two jobs in order to maintain income, which had me working most of the time and missing an awful lot of church, which I brought to his attention quite often. But God was gracious and showed me increased favor with employers on my second job that God was able to provide through my one job almost the same amount of income as my two jobs. Whatever shortfall we had, the Lord somehow made it up. And we were never without food, never without gasoline for our cars and our bills eventually getting, are getting paid off. We will continue to be healthy and to him be the honor and glory. Yet then the Lord began to press upon deeper things in my heart to make that serious stand that you spoke over me prophetically as the leader of my family and as the son of the living God, to develop a serious and honoring walk with him, to truly put him first and to honor him as Lord instead of having a flippant attitude toward the Lord and his word. See, most people don't really follow prophetic advice until they have to. And that's not the reason God gives it to you. He's trying to avoid you having to go through hardship. You know, and so... Pretty much 
it will work wherever I direct it. Wherever I point the prophetic gun, it'll, it'll operate. But sometimes it doesn't do any good. Other times it'll operate immediately and people benefit by it. But most of the time in this particular dispensation, the apostle and prophet have to start working more together. And you'll find when the prophet's office comes into a church, if the pastor of that church, where they happen to be, a, they're all pastor teachers, you know, that has to operate together. But if he happens to be an evangelistic pastor or maybe a prophet pastor or apostolic minister, unless they understand for themselves and they have nothing to be concerned about with the minister that's coming in, that prophet's ministry can really be a blessing to them. But you've got to know them. And you've got to know how they operate and whether or not they're truly sent of God or sent of the devil. Amen. There's false prophets are out there in bunches, are they not? All right. So he goes on further and he says, um, I realize my need to have an ironclad commitment of the heart to be established in him daily so that when the enemy roars, I won't get weak in the knees. When circumstances seem dire, I would have deeply, I would have deeply uh, affirmed assurance and faith that my Lord will provide. Pursuing a living relationship with the Lord, pursue the dream that he has for me and to be a living example of what he has called me to be. Now, this is a long letter, but for him, this is a big deal. I've had a fear, a fear of lack most of my life because he came from Russia and that's what they get over there, nothing. And when you spoke that the Lord had called me to be in the ministry, for some reason, I had the imprinted image of a man who is poor and dejected stamped in my thinking and I did not want to be involved in the ministry or to be that man at the same time. I don't know why I've had this incorrect perception of a man in ministry, but I didn't want to be struggling all my life to provide for my family. Now, I realize that I didn't have the faith or the faith that you have required me and the faith that I preached on just recently in Mark 11:22, have the faith of God. So I've been giving up fighting against doubting what the Lord wants me to be. I gave up the fight resisting what God wanted me to be. That was a biggie. And he says, I don't know how it's going to come to pass. I don't know when it will come to pass. But I have said in my heart, may his will be done according to how he sees fit. I just know one thing. I need to continue to press in and I'm tired of fighting the purposes of God in my life. This is the first stage where he's beginning to die, see, to himself. Big thing. I've had, uh, let's see, put on further. I'm pleased to announce that when you prophesied to me privately has come to pass. I've just discovered we are having a boy. Now, that's kind of freaky. Now, you know, a lot of people would avoid that. But the reason that I think the Lord revealed that to me was that he, he already had a son. She already had a son from a previous relationship. And it was important to him to cement the marriage by having another child. And she wanted a girl. And she came to me. She said, man of God, is it going to be a girl or a boy when I have a baby? She wasn't pregnant then. And I said, I don't know. What is it you want? She said, I'd like a girl. And then Max looked over at me and he said, and I said, so he was tickled pink. He said, well, I've, I'm having a boy. So he's very excited. Not so much her, but he's excited. Um, let's see what else he put on here. I'm doing this because it's a very practical thing. You see, this is, a, this is a young man that was told God's hand on you for ministry. Does that mean that that's an, 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 a down and out uh, end result? Does that mean that he has no option? Absolutely not. You know, when I talk about predestination, that's simply an opportunity for, for you to fulfill the plans and purpose of God. Uh, but if you don't cooperate with it, it won't come to pass. It's as simple as that. That's right. A lot of people, I didn't get saved until I was 29 years of age. And so I got a late start. I, I told you, man of God, that last night when I saw those little babies up there singing songs, I thought, my goodness, if the Lord tarries, what kind of opportunity do these young men and women have at their age 
uh, to come into a great walk with God even in their teenage years. I, I had to wait very far too long, and so I had to learn my lessons late. And sometimes when you learn the lessons late, it's very hard. So that office of a prophet can really help. It's surely encouraging to have, you know, people speak words that are encouraging and edifying over you. But if you have the opportunity uh, to sit under a man that has that office on him, it can save you an awful lot of time if you're open to it. If you're scared of it, it probably won't happen for you anyhow, you know. Nobody gets joy out of being told things they don't want to hear. Um, Let's see. Also, the Lord has shown us tremendous mercy and grace through the employers. And it's a long letter because to him, this is a very big deal. He's very excited about it. Uh, He said, he's opened an avenue for me to get an IT job. Now, mind you, this young man had no former training in anything. When he came out from Russia, his father was a drunk. Uh, His mother, I think, abandoned the family when he was very young. And for anybody who's been to Russia, you know that there's not much opportunity for young people over there uh, at all. And so, you know, when he first got a little bit of a tender bump or a tender bumping from me that he had to be about the business of bringing finances into the house, he wasn't all that excited about it. He was trying to hide from those responsibilities. And uh, so now he says this guy offered him a job in IT. And he said, uh, uh, I've always desired to work in that kind of a field. It just happened. I had just happened to run into a gentleman at work who happened to be a senior director of a corporate infrastructure, whatever that means, uh, with whom God gave me great favor. He asked me to submit a resume, and despite of my lack of experience in schooling in the area of faith, he landed me an interview with his subordinate through the job that I was offered. I accepted the job, and I should be starting there in two to three weeks. With an increase of income, the Lord has now given me a raise of roughly ten to $14,000 within the span of eight months from my initial job. That's it's a miracle. He says, this is going to free up a lot of time on the weekend so I can now make it to church regularly and continue my training for the work of the ministry. I hope this is an encouragement to you, Pastor. We are grateful and deep for your work. With it. Blah, 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 blah. Sincerely, Max. All right. So having said all that to you, how does that relate to somebody like yourselves who are coming to be works of the ministry? Well, I think in order to help you understand how this operates, let's look at a few scriptures. And the first one I want to go to is in the book of Matthew. And I want to see how Jesus, why Jesus uh, spent so much time in focusing on the supernatural. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, and I want to read from verses 11 through 16. And I think you can probably see them up the back. I'm going to read them from, from here, I think. Now, the disciples, and I'm going to refer to you as the disciples in this room today, okay? His disciples were very slow sometimes to pick up on what the master was trying to relate to them. And that's because when you first start off in ministry, everything that you hear, you relate to mentally rather than spiritually. It's got to go through your thinking process, but ultimately, it's the Spirit of God in you that's going to be the beneficiary to you developing skill sets and spiritual giftings. Amen? I I personally think, and if I had a lot of time to be able to share with you, what I believe God is showing me in these last days, it would be this, that the spirit of Elijah, Elijah in these last days picks up a different focus than did the first Elijah, bringing instruction toward the spiritual heads, the fathers. John the Baptist came with a different focus. John the Baptist came doing no signs, no wonders and no miracles, but to prepare the path for him who would operate the Messiah, the prophet of God, Uh, in signs and wonders and miracles now before the lord returns the only thing that's going to kick into starting gear the body of christ in general and to be able to weed out 
the disgruntled people who are being, how can I put this, encouraged uh, to forego the scriptures and forego their love of God to join a group of people ultimately which will be the false church is going to be the same spirit that was in Elijah. But Malachi 4 says, and it's very interesting if I had time to go through the study with you, it flips over. And when Jesus refers to John the Baptist, I think we've got to read that in just a second. He refers to both the first Elijah, John the Baptist, and also the, the, the upcoming third outpouring of the spirit of Elijah, which will prepare for the second coming of the Lord. And the second coming of the spirit of Elijah is not going to be just one man. It's going to be a, an outpouring on the body of Christ in general. And it's going to manifest itself in, in primarily two ways. A, there is going to be an animosity in the hearts of the body of Christ toward religion. Now, when I say religion, I mean denominational religion that has sapped the strength and the power, having a form of godliness but denying the, the power thereof. Because the way men and women are converted to love God is not by educating their mind or getting them to conform to laws and regulations. Uh, and I know because I rebelled against that all my life. The thing that caused me to serve God and to yield my life to him was not just his goodness and his mercy and his grace, but the fact of he changed me from the inside out. It wasn't my mind that got converted. It was my heart. Do you follow me? And one of the biggest things that you're going to find in many countries, third world countries, in my personal opinion, uh, is that they have been evangelized primarily by, by religious groupings, by some of the old denominations that, for instance, if we read the book of Revelation, you'll discover that the whore of Babylon is indeed referring to the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. If you've read that, you must understand that. And the, the children of the whore of Babylon is no more, no less than the aberrations of the Catholic Church as they were promoted through the seven stages of the church. And I can show you that and prove it to you out of the scriptures. And as the Catholic Church began to evolve uh, and mixed in with the Roman Church and all other pagan religions started to fix in with it, denominations began to be birthed all the way along, which says turned out to be children of this whore. And so uh, it's a study that once you get into it, it's fascinating, but you'll discover that the more they began to evolve, the less the less focus was placed on the Son of God. The less focus was placed on the birthing of a relationship between you that was personal between yourself and the living God. And uh, Antichrist, in fact, burst itself on that. All right, so let's, let's, let's read the scripture and I think maybe we can go from there. So Jesus is talking to his disciples here and they're, they're asking him all kinds of questions. Why do you speak to people in parables? Why do you tell them little stories and all this kind of thing? And you know the answer because most folks study the Bible. They don't really understand it, but they've memorized it so they think they're students of it. So it says here, uh, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom have been given to you, but to them, this is the other people, it has not been given. Let's just keep it rolling for me because I want to move as quickly as I can to get down to some of the questions you probably want to get answered. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even that which he has will be taken away from him. This is a principle that I'm sure the man of God has shared that with you. It's important that we continue to add to our spiritual dynamic. As soon as you level off and think you've made it, you're actually leaking. That's right. You know. Uh, I think there's a man of God that made this statement. I'm trying to remember who it was now, but he said, water on the outside of a boat is good. Water on the inside of a boat is not so good. 
Another way of putting it, a boat on the sea is good. The sea in the boat is not good. So when people learn, you know, that they can't take things for granted in the realm of the spirit, they start to value it. Amen? How many of you folks in here want to be uh, just students of the word of God and how many of you want to teach it? There's a difference. Do you you understand my question? How many of you have a desire to be in full-time ministry and have spirits of excellence about what you do? Can I see your hands? Yeah? Am I speaking English? Oh, yeah. You know, you're going to have to get to a point where God will hold you accountable for what you know and he'll test you on it. You can't stay perpetual students. Let me tell you something by the realm of the Spirit. The reason this house, and we're going to be talking more about the significance of the name of the house, Christ Faith Tabernacle, the anointing that rests on the house by faith here, the way it's going to expand itself is by you taking your own responsibility and cease from being continual students. There has to come a time when you start taking responsibility for what you have learned and start promoting God in your life with what you have so they can add to it. The reason these disciples were so slow of learning is they all got to a level and a plateau where they leveled out and Jesus got concerned about it. Then they started talking about who's the greatest, who's more important. And then when Jesus tried to bring the prophet's office into their instruction, they answered many times as Peter being a prime example. Every time Jesus tried to give him a prophet's perspective of his weak areas, because spirit of prophecy doesn't necessarily give you access or understanding of your weaknesses. The prophet will bring you focus, laser-bearing focus on the things that are stopping you from being successful. And you have to have a level of maturity or a desire to grow quickly to receive that. I went into one church one time in New Zealand where he asked me to start flowing in God. I said, are you sure you want me to do that? He said, yeah. So they said, well, can we have your leaders come up and you pray over the leaders? They call it a presbytery. Man. And I was very young in the ministry then, and I was, people would think that you know, I was overzealous. In fact, I was very transparent. I had no desire to hurt anybody. I had no desire to, be, to, to puff myself up. It just, I didn't sieve it. I didn't, I didn't put season it with salt. It just came out. Man. So here comes these folks. And this lady comes up, and she smiles really sweetly at me. And here comes out of my belly this. Uh, for I watch, I'm just paraphrasing because I can't remember it. For he said, I see and I watch when others don't see. I hear when others don't hear. For you have had a word that has brought disruption and corruption into the house. Something along those lines. Mm. And the words that you speak tear down the man that I placed here. Mm. And it went on to about being a gossip and a troublemaker and blah, blah, blah. And then the pastor stepped up and he said, stop it right there. Stop it right there. And I was so excited that I was invited anywhere into New Zealand. It was a big deal, right? He invited me. I didn't invite myself. He said, I know what you people, you think, you know, you prophet types. I know what you're like. He said, you come in, you cause trouble. I said, pastor, please forgive me. You asked me to pray for these people. I don't know this woman. I've never seen her before in my life. He said, well, that's it. The meetings are over and everybody can go home. And I was devastated. Mm. I was, man of God, I was mm. devastated. I was, I if I wasn't been a man, I would have burst into tears. Mm. <laughs> and so it was more or less he drop kicked me out of the church. Mm-hmm. And on the way out the door, he said, so-and-so will drive you back to the hotel. And it was a real dump that he put me in anyway. And on the way out the door, I said, I had my hair down, down, you know. 
And I felt this hand come over and grab me. And he said, man, God, I'll be, I'll be driving you today. He said, I just wanted you to know something. She is the biggest troublemaker in this church. She's, she's, she's stirred up trouble. She talks about everybody. But she and her husband are the biggest givers. And before I got home, he said, and I am hesitant to tell you this, but she and the pastor have been seeing a lot of each other. Now, see, the Lord didn't tell me that. All the Lord did, he did enough to let the pastor know God knows what's going on. See, we're not there to expose the dirty linens. We're simply there to give you a clue as to what's going on. Now, some men of God, I wouldn't need to pussyfoot around, you know, with your man of God because you're an apostle. And I believe, my brother, and I say this with all due respect to you, because I, I, honor, I know you as the man and I honor you as the office. But you and I can sit down and eat baboon yeah. together and have no yeah. problem. Yeah. But I know that in these last days, God is going to begin again to, to unite together apostles and prophets. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason for that is the stabilizer right here. The one who has the, the father's heart. See, not many people will see a prophet as a father. And yet people looking to the Messiah coming didn't recognize him as a father, as a, as a savior, all they knew was he's going to be a prophet. And that's what they were looking for. And when he came and presented himself and spoke to them as a prophet, they didn't recognize him because their eyes were blinded. It's an amazing thing. And now we see, of course, in the Muslims, they also believe, that's why I'm so vehement about people in my church referring to the Son of God as Jesus the Christ. We don't talk about anti, anti, the anti-Jesus. We talk about the anti-Christ because he's coming as the anti-anointing or the instead of the anointing. But the Muslims believe also that Jesus is coming back. But they don't believe he's That's coming right. back as Messiah. Mm-hmm. They believe he's going to come back as the prophet. Mm-hmm. We, we've reversed that round and instead of in their faith, they believe the 12th imam is going to come. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that's their Messiah. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, they, believe, they believe that way. And also that when Jesus comes back prior uh, to the, uh, the 12th imam, that he's going to come back and deny his role as the son of God or his deity as the son of God and, and, and support the 12th imam as the true Messiah. Well, in our understanding, we say that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God. And, and we, are going to be, we are going to have to put up with someone who comes in the guise of a false prophet, mm-hmm. which in fact they believe to be Jesus. You see, so it's a, it's a total twist uh, of the whole shebang. But the point I'm trying to make to you is the office of the prophet is very, very important. Now, look what happens here. This is kind of neat because the disciples are being taught here the main, the main ability for you to be successful in ministry is to see beyond what most people see. We have been taught into oblivion. And the teaching hasn't created anything except what uh, uh, some of the great teachers have, have, have taught in the past one of whom, Smith Wigglesworth, made a statement to a young student one day as he was walking down the side of a canal. The young student was expanding to Smith Wigglesworth. How many of you know who Smith Wigglesworth was? Mm-hmm. Smith Wigglesworth was actually a, a prophet as well, but a lot of people recognize him just as apostolic or as a teacher, but he was truly a, a, a prophet. But uh, walking down beside the canal, and uh, this young man was saying, you know, today, uh, man of God, we had this great teaching on the resurrection or something, and uh, he was going on and on and on, and Smith Wigglesworth said, he said, young man, stop right there. He said, instead of having an enlarged head, what you have need of is an enlarged heart. Uh, And most people in the ministry have heard that story. But it's rather true. And so we've taught people, and what we've got now is a lot of, unfortunately, over-educated people who know the Bible, but they don't know Jesus. 
They don't know the Holy Ghost. And when people come to you with problems, you can't always counsel people out of their problems. They want help, but in order to get help, you have to operate on them. And operating on people isn't, isn't delving into their head or taking them back in some la-la dance to their childhood, revolving them back in some psychological tap-toe uh, into, into, the, into the crashes of their life. If they come into my office, I tell them, look, you go and see one of my pastors and they will sit down and they'll help you uh, uh, focus on what the area of your weakness has been. That's one thing. If it's an area in your marriage, if it's, if it's an area in your finances, they'll go through the scriptures with you and they'll encourage you in your faith. Good. If they can't help them, I say, if you really, really can't get to the, the root of the issue, then I'll sit down and talk to them. And I can normally get to the issue, by God's grace, in about a minute. Because I'll sit there and I'll say, just sit there, don't talk, just let me look at you. And then within a minute or so, the Holy Spirit will say, thus and so and thus. And I've got them in tears. I don't want to get them in tears. But what's happened is instead of talking to their head and getting them to think about things and writing notes, what the Lord does is he's just peeled all the layers back and gone right in and touched their heart like that. And so now they're broken. Now the wife, how does he know that? I I don't know that. God knows everything about you. I never met you before in my life. But what it does is now the wife is saying, God knows about the issue. I don't have to convince my husband that he's a pig. I don't have to convince my husband that he's unfeeling or uncaring. God knows it. And that's all I need to know, that God understands what I'm putting up with. And then on the other side of it, the husband says, yes, now God has shown me I need to be more compassionate and, and care for my wife as Christ loved the church and so forth and so on. Amen? All right. So what I want to do is get, start getting you to refocus, not so on, on the excellent teaching that you receive, but add to your excellent education and your understanding, add to that spiritual significance. Because I'll tell you this, when you walk into a room, my brothers and sisters, and you're confronted with a, with a uh, uh, well, let's say you walk into a room and you're confronted with someone that's a demon. Uh, uh, your man of God confronts that all the time. In Africa, they're a little bit more violent. In America, they're more smooth and, and you know, sophisticated. We had a meeting last Sunday. Yeah, yeah, my brother, last Sunday. And I laugh because I can look and I can see it's getting better to happen, you know, because they sort of drop their head down, you know. And uh, so last Sunday we were talking about and this woman came up and, and uh, all my pastors were down there praying, oh, praise the Lord. And, so, so, and I got tired of it. And I just went and I said, hey. <laughs> she looked up and I said, get out of here. So, so next thing, I know you probably don't like that, but it, it happens. In America, they're out there, you know. And so, and bless their hearts, sometimes they don't even know why they like that. Why is, why is this woman nag me all the time and nag me, nag, nag? I'm doing the best I can. Well, she, you know, she picked it up from my mother. That's right. You know? It's passed on. Don't you understand that? That's right. Until you can identify the problem. It has, Jesus said, if you deal with the issue spiritually... Yeah. Then you better fill that hole up. That's correct. Right? Yeah, otherwise that spirit's going to say, I liked it back there. I was having fun with that person. That pastor's wife, I was having a ball with her. You know, I was having a ball with that pastor's mind after he went home there. And, you know, so, hey, if he's not going to fill it up and furnish the house with something of spiritual value, I'm going to go back and, hey, fellas, come back with me. That's so right. that one came out. And then I said, by the way, any of you other in there in this house that are causing me issues and troubles? And you see four bills over there, and another one over there. And in America, that's not happening. But in Africa, you see that a lot, right? That's right, that's right. And, and all these new pastors, their eyes got really big like that, you know. But, but the reality is, you could sit and counsel with those people for three hours and not help them. And I've gotten tired of it. I'm getting old now. I've got time. So I said, if you really want to be free, 
We can educate you as to why it's there. We can describe it to you. We can tell you what the symptoms are. And we can tell you what the scriptures are that refer to it. But if you want to be free, all you need to do is say, I want to be free. Yeah. See? And then one that has the authority. And that will come on all of you. The authority is something that Jesus gives after you have demonstrated that you have the capacity to both maintain it and, and, and to honor it. Now, one of the things that I know for sure, and I say this sitting here, if you want to be used on the fast track of what God has for you, begin by honoring your man of God. Not just respecting him, but honoring him. Because it takes, the Lord showed me about three weeks ago, it takes, and I'm taking a long track here because I'm having fun now. If you want honor in your life to reproduce after itself, it's going to take faith. Because the Lord showed me there can be no honor without faith. The thing that you have the most faith in is what you will honor. Now, Scripture talks about there's parts of the human body which we honor more than others because our faith is wrapped up in their importance. But when it comes down to spiritual issues, the most important thing you can do is not just serve a man because you can serve a man as a servant and not honoring. Amen? You do it out of a desire to get something or just because you feel like that's your job. But to honor the man is something by praying for him when he doesn't know you're praying for him. We started about two, three years ago... uh, in Proverbs, we talk about the first fruits and as separate from the tithe. Uh, and I can explain that later on. You can see if you want to bring that up. But basically, the first fruits, uh, there was a study done by Shemael and Hamael. There were two, uh, two Jewish um, rabbis. And in the Old Testament, there were, there was, it was referred to as the tithes and the first fruits, which were separate from the tithes. The first fruits were gifts that were given to the priest which were the first ripening fruits from the harvest. And the question came up in the Jewish community. We no longer are agrarian-minded. We're business people. We buy and we sell. So how do we relate what first fruits are now if we want to bring our first fruits to the rabbi? And so they went to the big study, and it was big studies, and you can still Google it, you know, on the first fruits with these Shammai and Hamai, these two rabbis. They came up with a number of 2.5%. And the first fruits came off the top. Now, just let me run it by you. I'm not telling you you have to do it because that's not my privilege. It's not my house. But they started doing this study. So out of, if a man was earning $100 a week, he gave his $2.50 as his tithe. It was given directly to the man of God, to the overseer of the house. Then they tithed after that. And this is the interesting thing. I've done research now, and I asked the people, after the first six months, those folks who were tithing, and that money goes straight to the man of God, yeah? My desire was I want to be totally off salary. I don't want to be on salary. In fact, I give my salary back 60% of my salary. I write a check back and give it to the church because I get a tax deduction for it. But I give it back to the church because I have things that I like to do and I don't want the church to have to pay for it. I don't want to be a burden on my own house. So I did a showing of hands. So what's this got to do with the prophet's house? Well, isn't there something in the scripture that says, you know, uh, if you give unto a prophet, you get a prophet's reward? And you give a righteous man a righteous man? What's a prophet's reward? Well, you know by the time I leave. Not today, before I leave. So I did a showing of hands. All right, now people, you've never done this before in your life. And we brought up the subject. And I know, uh, you know about 50 or 60, maybe 100 of you have started bringing your first fruits. I want the honest truth. I don't tell you to lie in the house of God. You put your hand up if you've seen an increase in your income. Within the exception of three people, they all put their hand up. Now I've got probably 90% of the house are paying first fruits. And their incomes have gone up an average of 40%. Why? Because of honor. Honor the Lord with your 
and with your first fruits, right? And so when people say, oh, that's just some legalistic thing. Well, I tell you, the honoring of your man of God works. It takes, it's not because he, he may or may not need the money, but you are honoring the set man of God, the man that God put there. Now, if you start studying that and looking at it, I'm going to encourage you to study it for yourself. And then you can ask your pastors here or whatever it is. See if this is something that will bring an added blessing to this house. Because I know that God has an agenda for this house, a destiny for this house. I shared it last night. I'm going to share it with you, a man of God, what I believe. That's, but he knows, he's, he knows that his influence has to go around the world. He knows that. And if we know that every fruit-bearing tree or every seed bears after its own kind, isn't that right? Mm. That the apostolic ministration of this house has to bear fruit after its own kind. Now, not all of you are going to have an apostolic calling, but the spirit of the apostle is going to be upon you, isn't it? Therefore, you have to be assigned to be, in these last days, an influence of redemption throughout the world. And Africa needs that. America needs that. Africa's coming up in a lot of ways. Even though you're experiencing problems, America is going down because of its greed and because it's removing God out of its society. We're being overcome by the very influences that the spirit of Elijah has got to stand against. A, religion. B, moral decay. C, under that moral decay, the feminizing of men and the, masculizing, uh, and the, and the emasculation of men and the, and the, and the, and the uh, taking of the femininity away from the women. Also, women taking overall. I believe in these last days America is going to be run by women. Well, you laugh, but I know they're getting behind Hillary flat out. And it's hard for me to tell a lot of the women that are in there today whether they're women at all. I don't know. <laughs> now, you can laugh. You can laugh if you like. But what's happening now, look at just, I'm getting off the subject, but, but I, I, I know of one thing. Apostle's a man. Mm-hmm. Now, he's a man in his mentality. He's a man in the way he carries himself and the way he talks. I'm not just saying because he's here. I like being around manly men. I don't want to be around girly men. I just don't. I don't. And on the flight out here, one of the stewards was introduced as he's a giggly man. That's what the, the, the woman introduced him. And our steward, so-and-so, he's a giggly man and very cute. And I don't want to sit there and talk to a giggly man with eye makeup on. I'm sorry, I don't. I'm an old-fashioned oh, yeah, guy, right? Too, All right? Can you imagine Jesus wearing wigs and having yeah, eye makeup yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. But the Scriptures say that in the last days this is going to happen. And the spirit of Elijah, do you, do, you, do you understand what I'm talking about? Let's talk about it on a spiritual basis now. It is an abhorrence to God for his order to be turned upside down. For the husband is the head of the wife, yes? Head of the house, yes? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved your church and laid down a word. Wives, adapt yourselves unto your own husbands. It doesn't say, husbands, adapt yourselves unto your own wives and be feminized. Does it? Right? And yet, women now are very blatant, I'm talking about in the world, are very blatant about their lack of need for a man. And now they are, now the one thing that God has given to keep our family together, the nurture and admonition of the wife and the comfort that a wife can bring to a man and a husband, these things are being belittled and, 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 and aggrandized to the point where the Spirit of God is revolted by it. And if you think the main enemy of all men of God, including the Spirit of Elijah, has always been women. Look at Jezebel, see? 
So Ahab, who should have been the head of Israel, was a man who was dominated by Jezebel. And Jezebel, not Ahab, became the main weapon used by the devil against the spirit of Elijah. Are you, are you looking at it? And that spirit was so strong, it, it almost wore Elijah out, didn't it? And what I'm telling you is when the spirit of Elijah begins to be released, and it's going to start in apostolic houses, and this is one. So you're going to have to get used to making a stand for what God says is right and taking on the mantle, the spirit of, of Elisha, in its primary sense. I'm not saying you're going to be prophet, but in a primary sense to make a stance against that which is wrong. Which means you're going to be not just vocal, but walk in it, talk in it. Your marriage is represented. Mm-hmm. You follow me? Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to make a stand which is visually uh, uh, available for the world to see. Mm-hmm. The church in itself is going to continue to shrink. I'm not talking about the Lord's church, the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. But those who carry the crosses, those who yeah. meet in buildings with a cross on the top, yeah. means nothing anymore. See, I've always known this. The Lord says broad is the path and wide is the path that leads to destruction. But narrow is the path and restricted is the gateway that leads to eternal life. And few are they that find it. And if we're looking at the parable of the sower, one out of every four is going to make it. (laughs) And see, if we're going to rely upon the, the blessings of our pastors and our teachers in order to maintain a strong church, we're in trouble. We have to have the strength, the stability of a rudder and the ability to, to move past the externals and get right to the hearts of matter. And, and, and a strength that comes. See, the, the thing with the spirit of Elijah is that those who come against that true spirit cannot defeat it. They cannot defeat it. The enemy is fearful of it. The enemy is not fearful of teachers. And I'm not belittling teachers. Understand that's mandatorily important. And we should all be able to teach. Apostle, prophet, master, all should be able to teach. But when a spirit of Antichrist comes against the true prophet of the Lord, he cannot win. Because we know who we are and we know who we serve. And the prophet and the apostle have to get to the point, as do the teacher and the evangelist, where they get out of the way and let God make his stand. All right, let's get back to this real quick. I'm taking too much time waffling. Are you learning anything by my waffles? This is why I speak to them in parables, because you've been given the gift and you understand it. But these people over here, all, all they understand is how to eat and how to work. So I have to talk to them in stories. So seeing they don't see, though hearing they don't hear or understand. Next verse, please. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. Here we go. I like this stuff. See, Jesus refers to the prophet of Isaiah and the prophet, uh, the spirit of prophecy. Uh, this, not the spirit of Isaiah, but the, the spirit of Isaiah and the prophet's ministry more than just about any other. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Now, who likes to hear that in a church service? Mm. Every time I come here, you're always listening, but you never learn. And I speak to you, but you don't hear. Now, Jesus was always saying, you know, he that hath an ear to Well, we've got two of them, don't we? See? And people sit like you do today, and you hear, and you listen. And I know you've got ears, unless you're all deaf and you haven't been prayed for yet. Then you ought to be able to hear the words that I'm speaking. But are you hearing in your heart? That's what he's saying. Are you spiritually perceiving the times in which we live? Do you understand this is the day and the hour of your visitation? Do you understand that? You see, because if we are spiritually dull of hearing, which is what the prophet said, no matter how much you're taught, you will not be benefited by it. You have to be able to get to a point where you begin to vibrate on the inside. The other day I was sitting uh, with your man of God. And I said, when I start to sense what God wants to do with you and with the people of God here and with your man of God and with these 
dream. Inside of me, I start to vibrate. I can't explain it to you. It's like, it's, it's like a tuning fork. Because when I sit next to him, you know, when a guy comes to tune a piano, he'll hit a tuning fork and one of the same vibration will start vibrating next to it, even if he doesn't hit it. So when I get next to it, I'm vibrating because he's, he's already pinging with the same... Are you reading something else? You no. he, he, he's, he's already on the same wavelength. See, he just got on the platform praising God. He sat down and he's vibrating at that frequency. I sit next to him. I start vibrating with the same frequency. It's because we, we know what's getting ready to happen. That's right. See? And I don't want to be around dull people. <laughs> See? Life's too short to be around dull people yeah. who you spend your life teaching and they are not bettered by it. <laughs> you can't say, like I said today with the man of God, I said, I, I, sometimes I tell you, I could get up and say, I'm not, I'm not pointing at anybody, okay? So don't think he's pointed at me. Because people say, who? He was talking to me. I, was, I didn't even know you were there. You know what I'm but uh, maybe it'll fly. I would love to walk sometimes and say, you can go, you can go, you can go, you two stay, and you over there in the back, you can get out of here too because you're a gossip. I'd love to be able to do that. But I can't do that because then I'd be doing, I'd be uprooting the, the wheat and the, and the, and the, and the tares together, wouldn't I? I can't do that. See, I have to sometimes, I, I sometimes, people say, that must be a great gift to have. I don't ever think about it. Mm-hmm. All I realize is that there's a part of me that belongs to God and I've got to honor that part. Mm-hmm. The rest of it I know is dirt. I have no problem with that. I don't need to be honored. See, there's nothing, I'm a donkey. Mm-hmm. I'm a donkey. All I know is that God has kept me alive and whatever I can do to enhance his kingdom and to honor him, mm-hmm. that's what's important that's to right. me. And all I'm telling you is we are called to die. Yeah. That's all I can tell you. And, and you keep pouring into people who continue to avoid you, mm. who continue to spend their entire life straining at the bit not to do what you've told them to do. Mm. Mm. All I'm telling you is what's going to start happening if you haven't already seen it, some of them just start drifting away. Mm-hmm. Anybody seen that thing uh, you know, with uh, the guy that gets, uh, goes down in a... In a, in a in a jet and gets stranded on an island, a, a FedEx jet, that's that thing. Huh? Castaway. And he's got this ball that he turns into a thing. And he, and he, he, he turns it into a human being. It's so important. And then the thing drifts away, you know. And he tries to catch it, you know. And he swims after it. Oh, please. What Harry or whatever the thing was. And it drifts out of his sight and he's sad and cries for, for days on his little raft. That's how we feel sometimes because we see we try so hard. We put little faces on you, you know. We try to educate you and love on you, turn you into real human beings when we know you're animals. And, and, and I'm just kidding. And then, and then when we think you've just about got a relationship with you, you drift away on the tide. No. And it breaks my heart. Now, I've got a bit of sense of humor with it, but it breaks my heart because we love you. But here's the thing. Jesus said in the last days, uh, Paul said, in the last days some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to what? Deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils. Well, who preaches doctrines of devils? Do demons preach boxes of devils or do people preach them? People. And what kind of people? Religious people. Ah! See? Religious people. And how do they get so much attraction towards folks? Why are they attracted to them? Because they have the appearance. You see? They have, oh, yeah. And they look so good and they sound so good and they smell so good and they've got M-B-D-D-S-S-P-P after their name. I couldn't care less. It's like Paul said, why do you want me to go and hang around these people? Paul, who flowed in prophecy, who flowed in the prophetic gift, 
who was apostolic in his den, in his underwear, he was more apostolic than most other people. And, he, and his people came to him that he was teaching, just like apostle is teaching you and who loves you, who would lay down his life for you. And I pray to God that's not going to be necessary. <laughs> See, Paul says, why do you want me to hang around these people? But you've asked me, you keep begging me, go to their seminars, man. Man, of God, these people are awesome. He said, I went, they added nothing to me. But I went because you wanted me to go. I sat there for hours listening to their boring sermons. But they added nothing to me. Why? Because what was given to him was given to him by the Holy Ghost. And I've got to share something with you. When I was doing a study on, on, on moving into the, prom- the promises of God, I started realizing when I was writing there one day and the Holy Spirit said to me, the promises of God bring problems. And if you remember when Paul was knocked off of his horse, Saul was knocked off his horse, mm-hmm. and it says, and he, and, uh, he was told, uh, uh, when, you're, when you're sent to this man's house, that I may reveal unto him the great things that he must suffer for my yeah. name's sake. Do you remember that? He must suffer. Yeah. And then he had to submit himself to a man who used to be, uh, uh, who was a disciple and said, Father, I don't want this guy in my house because That's he's right. persecuted the Everybody. saints. See? And eventually, yeah, Ananias. And eventually, he says to Ananias, "I want you to lay hands on him, mm-hmm. for he is a call vessel chosen unto vessel. me, chosen vessel. Yeah, call vessel, chosen unto me." And he says, "Okay, I'll do it. You sure? You sure you know what you're doing with this guy?" Mm-hmm. And he laid hands on him, and the scales fell off of his eyes. Yeah. And then for, for for 17 years, actually 14 and three, this man wandered around learning about God. Never went to a mm-hmm. Bible study in his mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Because he'd studied under Gamaliel. He knew all that stuff. Mm. Follow me? What he needed to learn was how to be led of the Holy Ghost. Mm. And then when he went back, the elders in the church didn't want to receive him. That's right. And who wrote two-thirds of the book? Mm. See what I'm saying? So what I'm trying to tell you, add to what you are learning scholastically. Mm. Awesome. You know, sit under the, go to every Bible study you can. Sit under the anointings of these men of God. Sit under the man of God here. Learn about the apostolic callings. Learn the book. Learn the scriptures. And then... Learn about Jesus. Mm. See, it's a mistake to say, I'm, I, I, I'm looking for Jesus. He's looking for you. Mm. He's looking for You can't find anywhere in the Scripture where they search for Jesus. Jesus has been looking for you. That's why I'm telling you that when he says, he is a chosen, he is a call vessel unto me. If you're a call vessel unto God, you won't be able to quit. And God will make you, uh, in these last days, hungry for the supernatural. Let's get back up to this, because I, I, I'm, I'm out of time probably already, am I? You all right? Okay. <laughs> I haven't got half to what I wanted to talk about yet. For this people's heart has become calloused. Oh, when you get back in the book of Revelation, I mean, he's saying the same thing again. They hardly hear with their ears. They hear a little bit. They have closed their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts, and they would turn, and then I would heal them. Keep going, please. He says, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Keep rolling. Thank you. Just keep rolling. Next verse, that means. Keep going. There we go. For I tell you the truth. Many prophets and righteous men have longed to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Just keep it rolling. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. I want, to, I want to move if I can. I know I said to quit to 16, but I want you to go over here now. Let's have a look at the difference now, because I want to talk about the role of prophecy in the office of prophet. The gift, you've probably been taught about, but let's go there anyway. The gift, uh, as well as uh, in uh, Romans 12:6, according to faith, and then 1 Corinthians 12:10. Let's look at that very quickly. And then I'm going to go to one other scripture we can talk about, which I find more interesting. Uh, 
Romans 12.6. Somebody read that to me. What does that say? So we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. And if a man's gift is prophesying, then let him use it in proportion to his faith. Now, add to that 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse uh, 10. So we know that prophecy is something that the Lord is going to make available to you as a follower of Christ. But your efficiency in it is going to depend upon how you develop your faith. And faith cometh by and oh you quoted pretty good ah awesome the devil could quote scripture too you know yeah. Yeah, yeah. to another gifts of the spirit miraculous powers to another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another interpretation of tongues so this, the nine gifts of the spirit are all available according to the choosings of God. But Paul says, if any of you desire to do anything, it's rather that you prophesy. And somebody tell me why. You tell me why. You look so good. Why does God tell you that you should desire to prophesy? It edifies what? The body of the Christ. What about the individual? Because we don't necessarily always prophesy to the church. We prophesy to individuals, don't we? Okay. And we do it for what? Edification, exhortation, and comfort. What's the weakness of prophecy? Yeah. Let me tell you. God has given us what I consider to be the most valuable gift, which is faith. I consider faith to be the sixth sense. We have eyes, we eyes, ears, taste, smell, right? And hearing, five senses. Are the five senses given to us for our edification, exhortation and comfort? Or is the manifestation of the Spirit given us for the edification, exhortation and comfort? Can you be comforted emotionally without being comforted spiritually? Of course you can. If I come sort of give you if I give you a big hug and you're feeling upset and sad, does that make you feel bad? If you go home and you've had a bad day and your wife says, You poor baby and she, put, she puts her arms around you and gives you a big old cuddle. Because yeah? that's, what, that's what Apostle Tuff's wife has to do to Apostle Tuff. When he, <laughs> All right. Give him a great big hug, right? Does that bring him comfort? Yeah. Do you think that scripture is talking about spiritual comfort? It's both, isn't it? But what I'm trying to tell you, I can bring you comfort without bringing you spiritual understanding. I can make you... Edification means what? It means in the Greek to be... Built up. It means literally to build a, sky, build a skyscraper. All right? So can I build you up without building you up spiritually? Think about it. What do, what do promotional speakers do? What do religious people do? Huh? They hype people up and they think it's God. Right? Yeah? Am I right so far? So edification, building you up, making you feel good and warm and fuzzy. Yeah? Edification, exhortation. What's exhortation? Making you feel good about what you're doing. Right? Now, you see, the spiritual folks always make that to be a description of someone who is spiritually used of God. What I'm trying to tell you is the devil has counterfeited that. To the point now where most churchgoers are fleshy, not because they mean to be carnal, but their five senses get massaged. They're made to feel good about who they are. Even who they are is backslid, right? They're not encouraged to fall in love with Jesus. They're called to fall in love with themselves, 
right? So the edification, exhortation, and comfort, these things can be falsely imparted into you by a word that doesn't proceed necessarily from God. I know he's talking about spiritual giftings, but what I'm trying to tell you is if we're going to be really used of God to build people up in the spirit, it has to be because you fall in love with the word. It says in, it says in uh, John 1, that, uh, right, your Hebrews 1. Turn to Hebrews 1 real quick. Throw that up on the screen for me. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Here's what I'm trying to do. Not undermine what you've learned. I want you to add to it because there are two sides to everything. These five, these five emotional senses are what are taking over from the one sense, the sixth sense, that will cause your life to be used of God in a way that it never has before. Because without faith, that sixth sense, it's impossible to please God. You can please him with all the five senses. You can look good, smell good, see good, sound good, and everybody can think you're a success, but inside you're a shipwreck. Are you listening to me? Because faith cometh and you have to earn faith. You're given the measure, but you have to earn the development of it. And people can learn to be schmoozed and emotionally successful way before they can be spiritually successful. If I get, any man knows that he can be moved by a woman's tears. Now, let me just give you one example, okay? I'm not a hard man. But women know from very young until they're converted to be spiritual ladies how they can convert the puny mind of a man with their emotions. Right? We can turn a man left or right by, this, by his nose uh, if we can just get it to feel sorry for us or feel protective or whatever else it is. So when folks come into my office, and when I was first starting off, and I had my wife with me because I never counsel women ever, ever, she would sit there and she'd watch these women bawl their eyes out. Just sit and look at them, just like you do sometimes. So when, when you're finished, you know, uh, we can talk. And your husband's going, oh, you poor thing. See, All this is emotional, means nothing. But, but they are so attuned to being responded to by their man of God emotionally, mm. see, that if you try to bring them back to a spiritual sense of responsibility, they resent you for it, mm. right? For instance, they come in and they start crying. I say, stop that right now. And they stop. Amazing. <laughs> because I'm not going to sit there. I can't help you by making you feel better by emotionally massaging you until you feel, you know, oh, I'm happy and he counseled me. No. So, well, I have my head on your, on your fuzzy little head, and next thing you know, you're going to be good. So now, see, now you're thinking differently now, you see, because that sense of feeling, I'm a success because I know what edification, exhortation, and comfort, I just chopped that down now. So now you're going to be thinking, am I really edifying somebody that I'm talking to, spiritually speaking, or am I just trying to uh, make them feel how important I am, you know, because I look like, sound like, smell like, I must really be a very powerful man of God. Where the most powerful men of God I've ever met in my life look like they just jumped out of a trash dumpster. Yeah? Some of the people that I've met in my life that are the most powerful, you wouldn't cross the street to shake their hand. And they say one word, change your life. Yeah. Most of the men of God that I know that I truly have a walk with God, they don't talk much. They just sit and look at you. And then when you ask them a question, they say, you really want to know? <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to get there, but I enjoy I, I have an eyesight my personality, so I like to talk. But if I'm, if I'm in the saddle for God, I won't talk very much. Just sit and listen to you. All right. So here, let's look at this. So it says, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets and at many times in various ways. But in these last days, which days? In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. 
Now, now, see what I'm trying to say is the prophets under the Old Testament had an unction. The prophets, priests, and the kings had an unction to hear and get instruction from God. But in these last days, the spirit of prophecy is the, is the, is the uh, uh, testimony of Jesus, right? Therefore, those of us who have developed a, a walk with the Lord, as this man of God had, as these men of God had, see, that relationship makes you powerful. Because I can prophesy a truth, but if the spirit, the unction of God comes upon me, and that's the anointing, see? See, if he's going to, if he's going to, that scripture says that in these last days through the prophet, he says, now he's spoken us through the son, through the Christ. It means now we are speaking as Christ. See? If the word coming through us, the anointing of the prophet through us in Christ is as speaking as Christ. We're not speaking for him. We're speaking as him. You see? Like, the, 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 the seven sons of Sceva. Jesus we know, and in the Greek, Paul we are hearing about. But who are you? See? So they went. See, we come to prophesy in the name of the Lord. We came to cast you out. See? Okay. So under the Old Testament, that may have had some success. But see, now they won't respond. Demons will not respond to somebody based on their intellectual ability or even their knowledge of the book. That's right. See? You can come out of him in the name of the... But Paul preaches. The name of Jesus. You come, come out... See, so what? I know who Paul is. I know who Jesus is, but I don't know you. See, it says in the scripture, Paul we're hearing about. I I found that fascinating. It means that the demons were being cast out by this new kid on the block. So they're saying, avoid that guy, right? But you can go down the street here, the church of the chosen frozen, and sit on the front row. (laughs) Chances are the pastor will have you come up and speak for him because you're so eloquent. The truth is, the truth is, in most places, the Muslims who pray five times a day have more faith in their false god than we do in ours. That's right. Do they have a right to worship any god? Absolutely, they do. See, because they have one, they have one thing. They have a dedication to their error. In our opinion, it's error, right? They have a dedication to it that most Christians don't. We pray maybe three times, maybe three times a day. They pray five. And they play five for it. They don't even believe in the supernatural intervention of God. But they're willing to, to give up their life for it. What are you willing to give up? Most people, nothing. Love you, Jesus. Love you, Lord. It means nothing. It means nothing. Paul was entreated. He said to him, please, don't go to Rome. The prophet Agabus came up and said, they're going to bind you up when you get there. You're going to lose your life. And he said, are you trying to break my heart? He said, let me tell you something, prophet. Not only am I willing to go to Rome, but I'm willing to lay down my life. All I'm trying to tell you, we see the world economy right now. I just heard it this morning. I'm a businessman as well. So I like to look at the reports. I got the financial news coming over here. I do all those kinds of things. You say to people, do you watch the news? Oh, no, pastor. I said, what's the matter with you? Yeah. I mean, I can ask him about the economies of Nigeria. He know more about it than the Minister of Finance over there. Say, yeah. <laughs> Why? Because, you see, here's, here's the trip. How did Satan, and I'm getting off point here, but I like having fun now. How did Satan get Eve off the idea that he was there to deceive her out of her inheritance? He did it using economics. Yeah. Think about it. He used the lust of her own eye. Even though she didn't have a lust of the eye, he introduced her to an idea of how to better her life. And seemingly get wiser. But it was, he used the, the, the fruits. He used, he used a reward system to get her eyes off of 
what God had spoken to her and get her eyes focused on something that, that she said, it looked good, probably tastes great, all that kind of stuff. She got this scenario going in her head. And how did you do that? By stirring up her emotions. Right? Because men are supposed to be the logic ones, right? So in the last days, the Satan knows if he can get men feminized, the men will start to become moving by their emotions and the women will start yielding not to their emotions but to their logistics. And I'll tell you this, my wife is half a Cherokee Indian. She said the Indians used to use women to torture the men. Because they, oh yeah, the women were used to torture, the women were used to do horrible, inhumane things because the women didn't have any problem with it. The men wouldn't do it. The women would hack off arms and hack off legs and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're laughing, but you got some Indian in you, haven't you? <laughs> My point I'm trying to make is the enemy wants women to take over because they can be very vicious. Mm. Sorry, ladies. I, I... <laughs> you think I'm wrong? Yeah? You, you, you have an ability not to be moved by the things that move most men. Mm-hmm. We're the tough ones, but we're squeamish. Mm-hmm. I mean, you ask a guy, does a guy like to see, you know, when he's cut or something, God, oh, women go, oh, you cut yourself. Well, fix it up. So what I'm trying to tell you is in, in these last days, Satan wants to transfer emotions to take over. He wants the women to take over from the men. He wants the men to become soft and mushy, right, so that he can institute his policies. Now, we got back to the economics. Satan knows that if he's going to get the eyes of what God is doing, he's not going to be able to do it by substituting a spiritual alternative. Because if he were to reveal himself as he truly is, most Christians, even nominal religious Christians, would have no trouble in seeing him and recognizing him as the devil. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Scripture says, is this the one that's been terrorized in the world? This thing? Yeah. See? So what he does, he did it with Eve. He'll get her eyes and her attention off of that onto economic well-being. So right now, America seems to be prospering. Stock market going through the roof. I've been short the market for a year. Right? You take it in the shorts for a little while because the market's going to crash. Why? America is $18.5 trillion in debt. Right now, I just heard a report over BBC One that right now your, your immigration has skyrocketed. 260-odd thousand people coming in from all over Europe. Why? Europe's going down. Why? Because Europe is, the center of anti- is going to be the center of the economic antichrist. Mm-hmm. Now, if Europe is going down because they can't mask it over there, the cost of living is going through the roof. America can mask it simply because the, the U.S. dollar is the, is the, is the, is the basic uh, fiat currency. So we just keep printing money, right? Now the U.S. dollar is worth about 12 cents. When Nixon took us off the gold standard, we started going broke. America is so broke now, it's hemorrhaging money. Why is the stock market going up? Because it is artificially being propped up by the government, by bond buying. So what I'm trying to tell you is this. How is Satan getting people's eyes off of the spiritual renewal, the spiritual revival that God says is going to take place by the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and those unique group of people who are referred to as the remnant, the true body of Christ, who walk by faith and not by sight, the ones who are motivated by the Spirit, the ones who are able to live their life and walk their life based on their relationship with Christ, who are not moved by what they see or what the economy does do or doesn't do, who stay married because they have a covenant with their wife, who love their children even though they don't know where the next money is coming from, who write letters like this uh, gentleman from Russia does, who are learning all of a sudden, my God, I discovered, God is really faithful. 
you know, I'm not qualified for a job and I'm earning five times as much as I did six months ago. It's an amazing thing. Yes, isn't God faithful? See, the devil doesn't want people seeing that. So he wants people saying, yes, America's booming and the economy in England is going through the roof. Yeah, and so is your cost of living. Think about it. Ask the average man. See, somebody said the other day, well, Pastor, why don't more people seek after God? Because the Antichrist government that we've got over there right now and these boobs who are running the, the, the government in Washington, the Antichrist spirit that rules in our country right now, the greed and the covetousness and the lies that are promoted on the average American, the average American person who doesn't study, who doesn't realize what's going on in their own backyard. This kind of economy over there is false and their eyes are so bulged out with the idea of getting more money and more money. Don't understand they're paying 54 cents in every dollar in tax. Mm. Well, that's not right. I'm only, I said to someone, I'm paying 60 cents a dollar. How do you work that out? Start adding it up. Yeah, 28% minimum. Then you've got to pay your, then you've got to pay sales tax. You've got to pay tax on your house. You've got to pay, you've got to pay property taxes. You've got to pay registration, new registration tax on cars. First time registration, bringing your car home. 2% of the value of your car. Oh my. my young nephew got a $10,000 truck. He can't afford that. He says, your registration is going to be $1,150 cash. Come on, folks. What I'm trying to tell you is you're getting an opportunity now to prepare for the coming of the Antichrist system. And before it gets that bad, even the very elect, the Lord says, if I didn't shorten the days for the elect, who is the elect? You are. You are. See? Not just the apostles, probably, but the people of God. You're the reason we're brought into the ministry. Our lives are laid down for you. We're not the important ones. Paul calls himself the offscouring of the earth. But the spirit of Elijah, which God is raising up now, and which was prophesied by Joel that in the last days... God would pour out his spirit upon everybody. Now, check that out. All flesh, both those who love God and those who don't, because God wants everybody to get it, not willing that any should perish. Amen. You want me to shut up? Just tell me. Amen. You ready? You ready? Okay, I can see you're leaning forward. It's time. So, I didn't get very far, did I? I'm so sorry. I had so much to talk about and no time to do it. I want you to start preparing yourself, okay, for, for over the, the next couple of times when I have opportunity, by the grace of God, to share with you. I don't want to have to go, I don't have to teach you all these things. I'm just going to give you the drop box because when I leave, the day I leave, I'm going to pray for this whole congregation with the man of God's uh, agree, agreement. When we bring an anointing upon this house for the 25th, I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast for that day and pray fervently that God opens up the windows of heaven and pours the Holy Ghost out on this congregation. So those of you whose hearts are right, see, I can't do anything about your heart. All I can tell you is if you have a desire in your heart to make a difference in these last days, the Spirit of God upon you has to come upon you with the same unction and the same flavoring that's going to be on this outpouring of the Spirit of Elijah in these last days. See, some of you in this house are going to be apostles, some prophets, some pastors, teachers, but the majority of you are going to be men and women who serve in God's house with an anointing and a power that's going to scare the hell out of the devil. I give you back your man of God. Man. Well, the Bible says when they will see peace, peace, and destruction will come upon them like a childbirth. I told you when we entered this new year what God told me. I saw economy of the world crash. And the Lord said they will crash again. But between now and the crash, the Lord said he will position his sins in the place of wealth. 
And that's the reason why it is very good for you to be very faithful. Everything God has been speaking here, you put it in practice. Because in the midst of it, the church will emerge. And those that will fund the gospel will have been made. And God will have positioned the finance into their hands. So that the church will not beg for money. We thank God for today. Um, We have shifted our break time. You know, because we had a ripple effect from morning. And our break time will begin now for the next 45 minutes. And after the 45 minutes, we will come back together and we will finish this session for today. Now, uh, Apostle Toff will be taking you on, on um, within the area of Christian leadership. But I, was, I, I took you in the morning on conflict resolution in church and we learn how conflict comes the symptoms that you see in people before conflict and those that are used by conflict and who is behind the conflict operation and the actions of a minister to put conflict at base and um, you know in the first lecture you also learned about the five main qualities of um, a Christian leader and you mustn't forget this because of those of us who weren't in the meeting that's why I'm speaking because you have heard what God is speaking right now on the prophetic and um, we looked also at the primary qualities of a leader faithfulness godliness self-control discipline and wisdom those are the spiritual you know the, the, the five qualities you are you were asked to look into and the fundamental qualities which is strong in prayer daniel was strong in prayer life he was strong in the world he was strong in um conviction and he was he had the fear of god and he had self-discipline and we need to put if you look at these things you have been taught they are principles that will guide business as well when uh, prophet robin was speaking now he said some a statement that looks you know, like he just slipped out. That's, he, he, he had the news report before he came out this morning. A, a Christian who does not know the news is cut off from what God is doing on earth. If you don't know the news, you are totally cut off from what God is doing on earth. Because every activity of Satan is announced in the news. And a believer needs to know when the devil is fulfilling the written word prophet prophecy, it's right, the prophecy of Daniel, which will help you to be able to know the lines of action. Also, when God brings a privilege in nations, they speak it in the news. If you don't know that, you will only be praying for financial increase, fasting, going hungry, and you go poorer. I will together now. Uh, if you are able to recognize all this, if Jesus was on earth, he will listen to all these things because he must know what is prevailing. Also, in your pulpit, you may be preaching messages that are not relevant to the season. Because when you see a move, it triggers a response. And you will be able to respond adequately to your members so that they are not deceived, so that they are pre-warned, so that they are equipped, and they can achieve where God is taking them. So. 
Would you like to be part of a vibrant church in the midst of beautiful, awe-inspiring surroundings? Christ Faith Tabernacle at the CFT Cathedral Woolwich is now open for all. Apostle Alfred Williams, apostolic leader to churches around the globe, warmly invites you to come and be part of this incredible move of God. Every Sunday at 10am, 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London. In our beautiful, recently refurbished cathedral, we are seeing miracles happen, people healed, needs are met, lives are transformed. The Word of God is preached with power through Apostle Alfred Williams. I want you to know this, that there is a God in heaven who has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, and by Him, anyone who believes in Him, carry the very authority of God which, with which He created the heavens and the earth. Jesus said, freely you receive and freely give. I want to say this to you. Stop going around to people. Kneel down where you are. Talk to the God who created the heavens and the earth in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and you will receive your miracle now. And be sure not to miss our two life-changing events. Overcomers Night Vigil. Hear the voice of God. Receive life-changing teaching. Be lifted through dynamic worship. Become an overcomer on the last Friday of every month at 7pm. And also come and celebrate with us at our exciting monthly victory nights. Receive your breakthrough. Be empowered to win. Come and claim your victory on the first, second and third day of every month. Whatever age, nationality or background you are from, there is something very special for you at the Christ Faith Tabernacle Cathedral Woolwich. Every Sunday at 10am, 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London, SE18 6NL.